I got saved uh, at first, uh, April 4th, 1990 at 6.33 p.m. I would say I probably committed several different times in several different stages in my life. See, but we have to be convinced like that too. We have to be convinced that nothing in our past, I mean, after we've repented, nothing in our past is us anymore. And when I finally turned back around, you know, you looked at me and you said, you know, I'm sorry for what happened to you in the past at the church that you were at, but that wasn't God. Can't hurt you. Right. Only thing he can do is heal you. Because God loves people and he don't condemn them and strike them down when they mess up. He reaches out and loves on them. Looking back, all those things that I did was a perversion and we're called to be holy anything outside of that is a perversion our faces is what was on his mind when he took his last breath I want him to be on my mind every time I take a breath but they are hard preachers that did it from a position of love 1 John 3.18 says that we need love in deed and in truth What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another installment on the Indeed and In Truth Ministries podcast series. I am Logan. I'm Amber. And we are back with another episode for the testimony series. And so before I introduce our guests, we're running with four mics today. Uh, Before I introduce the guests, I just want to remind everybody that if you guys have got praise reports, prayer requests, uh, salvation testimonies, and I'm missing another one. What's the other one? Uh, Questions, comments, concerns. Sure. Questions, comments, and concerns. You guys can reach out to us at indeedandintruthministries.org, or you can also reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, and probably by the time you're listening to this, there'll be some various other uh, social media outlets that you guys will be able to get a hold of us. So I think that's pretty much the spiel. Usually there's some banter between the two of us, but no banter today. No banter today. Okay, so with that being said, um, I am going to introduce our guests for this episode, uh, and they came in packed and ready to rock because they got papers and everything. So like they, they are prepared excited. for what we're about to be doing. Um, so uh, what I let's go ahead and I'm going to start with your wife because that's the just the honorable thing to do. So uh, Miss <laughs> Laurie, go ahead and say hi to everybody. Hi everybody. God and, bless you. Uh, John, go ahead and say hi to everybody. Okay, good deal. Hold on, I'm going to move your mic. All right, so. What was that? Two? All right, so. <laughs> sorry, I had a moment there. Um, Hey, so thank you guys. Seriously, I really do appreciate you guys coming and doing this. Um, I know that you guys travel around and you guys go and share your testimony at different places. And you guys, this is so this is just a digital way of doing that. So I'm excited that you guys are here. So I really, I really do appreciate it. Um, especially because I know some of John's testimony. Uh, I don't know yours. <laughs> so I'm really interested to see how this goes. So, uh, Miss Lurie, how about you tell us a little bit about you? Okay. Uh, well, what I'm about to tell you about me, it happened to me between the ages of 11 and 18. Uh, Please don't feel sorry for me because Jesus has totally healed me. Outside of my sister, who was also being molested uh, by our father, 
I never told anyone else till I was over 30 years old. Back in those days, I'm going to give you my age. I'm 75 right now. <laughs> so this was back in the um, early 60s. In those days, no one ever mentioned divorce or separation. So that really scared me. Uh, my sister did, um, uh, I found out later, that she had told a girlfriend of hers, and uh, that girl told her dad, and, but he didn't tell anyone. Nobody talked about these things back right. in those it very, days. It was a very taboo subject. Yes. Never yes. talked about things like the Amish. We don't <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was between the ages of 11 and 12 years old. My dad told us if we told our mom, she would leave us. At that time, I never heard of a divorced couple. <clears throat> as soon as I graduated, I left for college to get away from him. This made me feel unclean and felt no one would ever want me. I did get married when I was 23 and thought it was all behind me. Then I found out that my husband was having an affair. We got things worked out, but a few years later, he had another affair. I actually got so sick that I was in the hospital for 12 days. While I was in the hospital, he had his girlfriend in my home or our home, and she got pregnant. And uh, I'd lost, um, in about 13 days, I'd lost over 25 pounds. It just That's how sick I was. But I still tried to work things out. Actually, I almost raised that baby girl that he had had for, until she was about four. But later, I found out he had an affair with that little girl's younger aunt, which was about 20 years younger than me. Uh, depression really set in, and I decided to move my two children and myself uh, two hours back to my home area near my family. During this time, my mom got saved and then my dad. I started going to church with them to appease them because I was a Christian, I thought, but the depression got so bad that uh, uh, even worse when my children decided to go back up with their dad, not because of me, but they missed their old school friends and their old home. And, my, of course, my son had wanted to play football, and the school we were at did not have football. Uh, this was like going through another divorce. My mother made me an appointment with our pastor, who is Pastor Dosek. When he prayed for me, the depression lifted off of me. And I, I can actually say it just lifted. I mean, it's not forgotten, but I didn't feel that pressure and, and the depression. Even though I loved the Lord but didn't understand a lot, I knew it was real, and shortly after that, I became born again. <clears throat> Several years later, I met my second husband, Clyde, at church, but not even seven years later, he died, and I was alone again, but this time I had Jesus, and Jesus helped me realize that with him, I could be happy being single. And then Jesus gave you that handsome hawk right <laughs> yes. there, didn't he? <laughs> but Jesus didn't want me to be alone or single. I met this handsome man of God, John, at a miracle service on New Year's Eve at Only Believe Ministries. We became friends and soon fell in love. That was 19 years ago. Isn't God good? Look at him making kissy faces and everything. <laughs> wow. 
John, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, John, I want you to just tell me a little bit about that because, see, that's now I'm going to start poking you with questions in a minute because I got some questions. Uh, so, how about you, man? Go ahead and share, uh, you know, just tell a little bit about yourself. Uh, I see you also have your papers. If you want to read through some of that and sift through it or whatever, that's fine too. Um, and then I'll just start bugging you. Well, if we got a couple of hours, where I can get through all seven pages. <laughs> but that's you know the thing of it is, is uh, the Lord had really put on my heart a long time ago that our testimony is important. It's important for us to put out there all the wonderful and goodness that God has done in our lives. So that, you know, the scripture says in Revelation twelve eleven, it says hereby, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. You know, first of all, the blood of the lamb in our lives is one of the most important things that we see because of the fact is that Christ died for us, and if it wasn't for his blood, we would not have an opportunity to be clean of sin. So, and our testimony is one of the things that God has given us just as we look in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God. God gave us a testimony, which I call my testimony his testimony because it was, not, it was by the goodness and the grace and mercy of God that I am still alive today. And it's his life that's in me. It's he, he is in me. He lives in me. And something that I looked up about testimony is that, that it is something that bears record, a witness to the power of God and his mercy and grace upon us. So to go on about that and my testimonies, the fact is, you know, I was born in 1958. I was one of nine kids. Big family. Yeah, big family. I was about to say Amber. I think Amber's grandma, there was 13 or 14 of them. I was like, good God, people stayed busy back in them days. <laughs> uh, even look at what, you know, Pastor Dosek is, you know, one of 14 kids. So Yeah, I know. not crazy? So, you know, uh, but, you know, to go on to tell, you know, um, when I was born, I was born to where, you know, I had, you know, some health issues. Even my parents was told when I was about two years old that I probably would not live past the age of seven. And, you know, if you ever seen a movie, Forrest Gump? Yeah. <laughs> I wore those braces. Those, those really? Those same braces. Matter of fact, we just watched that movie not too long ago again. Yeah. But I wore those same braces, and, and doctors even told my parents that, you know, I wouldn't be able to do the things like ride a tricycle, bicycle, climb a tree. You Did know, you go I, running down a driveway and break out of them too no i didn't 100 miles an hour i I didn't quite go that like that but i actually i i was in the neighborhood i was the fastest boy in the neighborhood really that's crazy but and that was after my braces were taken off funniest thing of it is before we moved from one neighborhood to the next somehow my braces came up missing i just got flat tired of wearing them (laughs) <laughs> we put them in a and we put them in a closet, but when we got ready to move, they were no longer. They around. were just just gone. Right. But yeah, um, and to the fact is that you know when they they were told my parents that I wouldn't live past the age of seven, but you know what God says to me to this Jeremiah twenty one or twenty nine eleven says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, 
to give me an expected end. And, you know, it reminds me, too, that where God says that, you know, even before the foundation of the earth, he has set a plan for each one of us. You know, he even thought of me. He even thought of you. He even thought of Larie and your wife. Amen. Thought of, and, and he even knew our names before the name was given to our parents to give us that name. So, you know, and even also when I look at Ecclesiastics, you know, 11.5, it says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. You know, God knew exactly where I stood even in my mother's womb. But he also knew where I stood even before I would even be the age I am today. You know, when they said I was going to not live past the age of seven, I'm going to be 64 this month. So don't tell me that I'm not alive. I am alive. I'm not dead. When I was young, as a young boy, I was I was molested. Yeah. And I age seven and and age ten. Um but my parents they uh they didn't want to believe it when I told them later later in years. Uh even when I was a teenager, I was arrested. And I believe that those two things led me up to to doing what I did when I was a teenager. Right. I ended up looking into the neighbor's window, trying to get a peep of the, the, their daughter. Right. Okay. So that's, I was arrested, and actually, they never took me to jail. They just took me back to the house, went to court, and I was put on probation and under the, the watchful eye of my parents. So it sounds like for a situation like I see when I deal with people um, who have had experiences like that or they've had something like that happen to them, uh, I always end up finding out that sometimes whenever they react out of that, it's usually tagged to something like that. Or like whenever I'm dealing with people who are like homosexual or something mm-hmm. like that, it's usually tagged from an experience like that right. in their life. They so I'm just, child, I'm just yeah. kind of glad you brought that up because nobody else ever talks about no. it like that. They never... You know what I mean? They never make the conclusion, but you're right. That's seed planted. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I, when I look back at, at these things, and, you know, I always, and I also, you know, just like I was sharing earlier today that with you just a little bit ago that uh, um, things do happen. And, and you know, the devil is always out to, even even before we're saved, he's always out to try to keep you. Oh, keep yeah. you under, you know, his his foot. Oh yeah. Um and and we are when things would hap it was happening and just like for Larie, you know, when she was molested by her father at an early age and for a period of time, you know, the devil was having his his way. Now <clears throat> he 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 had tapped into me just like he had tapped into her father. Right. Somewhere along the line something that, something was seeded into him. Exactly. And just like me, um, and it just progressed out. Me doing that, what they call the old peep and tom. Right, right. Yeah. And it also just because of the pain that I went through from seven up to ten and further up, it, you know, I got into drinking. 
and the drinking helped me deal with the pain, the pain of like, because you know I was a abused or sexually abused by a female and a male, and it's like you know there's a confusion there, right? Who am I? What am I supposed to be? Right. So that 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 confusion that led me on to drinking. I never got into drugs. Was offered many a times. Be thankful for that. Offered to, yes. <laughs> yes. Offered even to just, you know, get into smoking marijuana. I tried it. I never got, you know, a buzz off of it. So I just thought, well, it's not for me. But I got buzzed off alcohol. First time I drank uh, whiskey, I thought, wow, this tastes good. I'm going for this. I right. leave that beer alone. That's what I always <laughs> thought with it. So, But, uh, yeah, as gro- you know, I was growing up, you know, uh, I'll just say it like this too, because you know, and uh, testimonies is kind of hard to really share s- certain things because you don't know what your audience is. Because mm-hmm. you got to watch out for the youth. Yeah, no, I agree. Because yeah. the youth won't will not understand. Right, or they're gonna be like, oh, "That guy said that." <laughs> you know what I mean? They start getting all wild. Well, like I was, you know, I was trying to say that. Um, uh, when I was when I was. Uh, on a baseball team and it was, you know, my first time ever going out for baseball like this, you know, I always played baseball in the backyard, but, you know, actually getting on a uh, community or a, a city teams and that. Right. Um, and the first time I <clears throat> went to do these and I walked up and these guys are, you know, talking and laughing and I was trying to listen and, and, uh, first thing they did asked me says, uh, you know what a boner is? Right. And I said, I don't know what you talking about. Right. And they all laughed at me. I didn't know what they were talking about, not at that time. Right. But I ended up with a nickname, Boner. That's a horrible nickname. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it is horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, because it, it stuck with me for years. Well, and that becomes a place that identifies you. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's 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 something that, I felt even more shame because right. I didn't know what they were talking about. Right. I mean, even even after I was, you know, married to my first wife and out of high school and everything, and some of these guys see me years later, one of the guys I remember, I, uh, I can't remember his name now, but he he saw me, you know, he's like, what's up, Boner? Yeah, right, like, just are, recognize are the you, name. I asked, are you for real? Are you? I mean, it's like, you know what? That was fun, maybe for you guys when you were, we were kids, but it wasn't fun for me, and it ain't for me today. So, but it, <clears throat> I wouldn't even say. But you know, there's the thoughts that I had. That, you know, what I wanted to do to that guy at that time is like, you know, I just I guess I could better leave it go because I was with my first wife at the time. So, but <clears throat> even growing up. I used to be uh, in the Catholic Church. My about every the only one that I know of, other than my great nephew, uh, which I had spoken to you about before, which I haven't. Yeah, I haven't given your number, his number, your number to him. Excuse me, to contact you about doing podcasting, but but him and I are the only ones that don't go to the Catholic Church that I know of in our. And your whole family? And our whole family. Wow. So, 
but um as growing up i remember the back in the day where you know you or of course even some of us talked about today about how the priests are in the catholic church right that's the first thing i was just thinking about right when you said that because <clears throat> they've got a history of um some sketchy behaviors <laughs> we'll say that well that's the thing of it is is that as i I know the things that I've already spoken about, and I think, because I used to be an altar worker in the Catholic Church, and I never had any approach, me at all, in the church that I was going Thank to. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God, yeah, seriously, that's that's awesome, though. You know, I actually think, we've got a Catholic Church here in town, and I don't like it, uh, because whenever he throws festivals and stuff like that, he's always got beer up there, and he's always getting people trashed and stuff like that. Um, but I've never heard anything negative come out of that place. So I'm just thankful that, you know what I mean? Uh, because I've also, I've, I've also heard some stories about Catholic churches that weren't so pleasant. So yeah, I, I, I know of a few too. There was a lady that I worked with that had some questionable things going on in her church. So, and it was a Catholic church. Yeah. yeah. So. But you know, being that the, the abuse that I had and being arrested for the things that I was arrested for. Uh, it also, you know, led me into, you know, pornography. It also led me into self-gratification uh, and ways that I, right now I'm not going to say in ways that, but but the thing of it is, <clears throat> eventually as, as I grew and kept in going into pornography and the self-gratification of different things to myself, uh, I even got to the point where uh, I, I can only say it like this, is I got very sick in the head because as I grew older, um, even before I met my first wife, I probably had uh, three to four girlfriends in, in school. And uh, because of my gratification wanting to <clears throat> to uh, fulfill my desires, my selfishness, I'll say it like that, is that every one of them didn't want to do what I wanted to do. And today I understand that, you know. Right, but back then it was No, it was all about totally me. different John. <laughs> yeah, it was all about me. You know, my, my thing was it, it was all about me, and if you had something that I wanted, I was going to do whatever I could to get it. I mean, I, I even went into and broke into houses in the neighborhood. I stole money out of, out of people's houses, um, because of, of the abuse that I had with this female, uh, when I was a boy, uh, it even got me into taking in, in, uh, lingerie, uh, in the houses I broke, uh, even before I got saved with my first wife, um, messing around with her lingerie, it's uh, it's almost like pornography. It's almost like pornography because there's a certain draw of the feeling of it and all that. The silkiness, the or silkiness. Right, yeah. Well, and that's and I mean, think about it. That that's what it's designed for. You know what I'm saying? So you're already struggling. 
in a space where it's like, you know, you, you're, you sounds, you know, you're, you're talking about this and it's like, man, you know, I just don't know who I am. You know what I'm saying? But things like that are familiar to you. And right. so things like that become places of comfort. You know what I mean? And it's not, it's not, and it, and it comes back like what you was talking about, the whole nickname, it becomes something that identifies you. You know what I mean? And, and even though you like, you know, one day you'd wake up and be like, you know what? I know name, better. Right? You know what I'm saying? But then you're like, <laughs> I see you. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I mean, it's, it's so sorry. I wasn't trying to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, on. you're, you're fine. Yeah, it's just that, you know, uh, those desires that I had to self gratification was that I wanted to gratify myself wherever I could put myself. Okay, that and and that's where the sickness of my mind got to the point of going from a human being to something else. Okay, to satisfy my gratification, and and I'm talking about some serious sickness here. As I say, me and you, we've had some conversations. I remember one day uh, we was in a pastors' meeting, and I come down to get coffee. <laughs> Shocker! I showed up for coffee. He goes. You ain't never heard my testimony before, have you? And I was like, nope. <laughs> so you guys won't probably get all of those deets, but I totally know what he's talking about. Like, 100%. It, it, was, it was. Well, people that know him know what he's talking about. Oh, and yeah, it's no, amazing definitely. to see the transformation as to where you are now from that. Because oh, yeah. the mind, when Satan has that hold on your mind, it makes you do all kinds of insane things. Yes. I, well, yes, and that's yes. the thing. And that's the I thing suffered with like psychosis, was... so I became a completely different person at times when I was unsaved. So it just I can understand what you mean by severe sickness. Like it well, just overtakes just, like, you. Not just that, but like you're talking about, you know, one second you might be John, next second you right. might be not John. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden now it's like, you know, but it sounds like the way you're describing this, this this eventually became something that you just locked in and was like, this is what I want. Right, and exactly. This is what I'm gonna do. Exactly. You know what I mean, that's that's what it sounds like. So, exactly, it was all about me, and I didn't care about anybody else. You know, that's when I got arrested when I was an adult, and people, and I was always called when I was younger, you know, Johnny or Little Johnny. Right. And when people heard about that, I was arrested as an adult, and what for? They said, "That's not Johnny. That's not him." But people don't realize. Right. You know, from the time I was seven. Till I got saved, I was living two lives. Right. I was living a life that was showing everybody out in front of me that, hey, he's all right. He's cool. Right. And but then, behind, the, behind the scenes, I was living me. I was living what I wanted. And then when I wanted to go after it, I went after what I wanted. So let's draw this, let's draw this to a question here. So, Ms. Lurie, your story... You're talking about some of the stuff that is so when, like you said, you got into the church and then you met, it would be your second husband, right? Or first husband? My second husband. Okay, your second husband when you got into the church. Were you sold out to God before then? Before I met him, yes. Before, okay, so what was that like for you? What was that like to just be like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not backing up no more. I'm going for it. Um, it, it, it was, um, uh... I don't know, fulfilling or just uh, uh, a way of life. Uh, I was actually started the singles that only believe. Yeah, and was did that for three or four years before I met him, and then um, 
uh, then after he died, I ended up getting into the singles again. And that's when I decided, you know, uh, I need to accept that I'm single because at that age, I uh, was 50. I didn't figure I'd find anybody. And it wasn't another se- almost seven years. <laughs> He's over there. And God just, knows the, like, I showed up. That's just proof that God knows the desires of your heart. Yes, that, and that uh, that is my favorite Bible verse. Well, Psalm, we all we all know what John's desire is. <laughs> uh, Psalm thirty-seven, four: Delight thyself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. And that was even before I met my second husband. Uh, uh, God revealed that to me because I was. That was back when I didn't have my my kids that went up with their dad, but I was having financial problems trying to maintain a home right. and uh, being able to do things for them, and I uh, really couldn't afford to. Well, the night I saw that Bible verse, I um, the church had, uh, the pastor took up, asked people to, if they wanted to bless anybody and or had anything prayer needs and I did need I told them I needed uh rent money and electric money and that night they took up a collection and it paid that and it was like after that I didn't have such a struggle and God provided for me that's awesome so that was just when you when God revealed that verse to you mm-hmm. it came alive yeah and that just that was it yes how about you there John where was where and I'm all right. I know this already. I've got some insight, but I just I want to hear you just kind of talk like when you were just like, okay, God, if this is who you say you're gonna be, then I want it. Where was that switch for you? I guess really I have to go back. I was arrested as an adult, and I was in the county jail. Um, I was actually looking at life in prison. Um, my, the reason why I was even there is, you know, when Larie talked about her dad molesting her, so I was doing the same thing to my oldest daughter and I actually, the day that I was arrested, I, it, it was a little bit later on, but I, I was calling my daughter actually a hero because number one, by her doing what she did, by telling the authorities what was going on, you know, she saved herself. But she also saved me. On the, only on the fact is that when I was in the county jail and I had already started to plan the hanging of myself in the county jail, and as all this planning was going on, you know, I was, you know, going down and they would have uh, this minister come in and I would go down with other guys would go down and we would listen to him. And he would, you know, he would be ministering to us about Jesus on the cross and, you know, that he gave up his life for us and he shed his blood for us for the remission of the sins. And finally, when I decided, like, OK, I got this down, I know about how long in my head, you know, and got it figured out that. When the officer went by the one time, then I, I would go ahead and do it. And by the next time when they come do rounds again, I would be gone. Because I didn't want to go to prison. I, mean, I heard too many horror stories about prison, especially for what I was going to be going to prison for. So 
like I said, you know, I was looking at life in prison. So when I was uh, with my lawyer one time and he asked me about, you know, how, you know, how they did things with by arresting me and did, you know, did they, you know, tell me my rights and all that. I couldn't remember any of that. So he went and talked to, to the prosecutor and then he comes back. <clears throat> he says, well, he says, they're going to take the uh, life spec off the board. And he says, we're, they're going to just allow the judge to decide to in a sentencing that either five to 25 to 10 to 25. So I had already, you know, had agreed be to the fact is that, you know, my testimony was that I said I did it. I mean, at that point, why lie? You know, so, so we went into court and the judge just flat out said, says, well, says, I don't, see giving you 10 to 25 because he said I, I see that you're remorseful and he says well he says I don't feel that uh, the courts would be you know looking at me like I have the right to give you the 5 to 25 but he says I'm going to throw you in the middle so he gave me 7 to 25 <clears throat> so I on that last day when I was going to do and hang myself there was a call out for who wants to go see the preacher and I heard nobody and I thought well I'll go down one more time before I do myself in so I went down and it was like he was preaching to the point where all I could do was I, I could just do nothing but ball because I thought you know what if God can forgive me for that and God can heal me of this 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 sickness that I carry around with me. I says I want God. And uh, the minister looked at me and says, uh, "Do you want to pray?" I said, "Yeah." So we prayed, and I received Christ in my heart. And I get back to my cell, and I'm down on my knees praising God. And God says, "Now isn't my life better than that death you wanted to choose?" And all I could do was continue to praise God even more. So I went in the county jail in September of 1990. I got saved November 14th of 1990. I went to the prisons in December 4th of 1990. Went to the parole board seven times. I got my parole on the seventh time. I did 12 years out of 25. Um, I had a gentleman came to me and handed me a magazine the pastor used to put out. <laughs> and he says, yeah, I don't understand. Interesting, his first name was John, too. But it, he couldn't understand how he ended up with that magazine because he'd never been to the church. He's heard of the church. He don't know how they got his name and institution number and all that stuff to get it but you know god knows there there's a, there's a reason why that magazine was sent to him because i i always thought because i was looking for a home church and i thought god was going to take me to cleveland of course what i know about cleveland today is i'm glad i don't go to cleveland yeah <laughs> but uh he he came to my cell and he 
he uh he asked me he says i know you're from up that territory he says uh would you like to read this and i said sure so i read through that whole magazine and at the end of the magazine the lord said now nah, i want you to write pastor so i wrote pastor and i a matter of fact i wrote pastor my whole story and i told him i says uh i'm i'm gonna be getting out i don't, don't know when and i told him i says you know i'm gonna be seeing the parole board here uh in a year because this was like about a about a, actually about eight months uh before i went to the parole board and so he wrote me back and he says john he says uh i hope you don't mind but he says my schedule's kind of full right now and i just can't continue to keep writing to you he says but he says i hope you don't mind i'm going to pass you over to pastor ed so pastor ed and i wrote back and forth and and then 2002 in june of that year i went to the pro board seven time usually about 30 days usually hear an answer whether you're going to get more time or or if you're going to get kicked out well, 30 days went by, 60 days went by, going into August, I thought, man, they're sure taking an awful long time, but you know, God tells tells me to be patient, you know, to wait on him, so that's what I did, and finally, I get a call from the officer to go over to see the sergeant, I thought, this ain't good. Because if you called his office, it's usually not good news. So I didn't know if something happened, you know, with my mom or my dad or, you know, my brothers or sisters, you know. Um, so I get over there and he says, sit down, Hall. So, you know, in the prison, they don't call you by your first name. Yeah, use your last name or inmate numbers. So when he told me to sit down, I thought, I know this ain't good. <laughs> Sarge tells you to sit down. This crap's going down, boys. <laughs> he's, it's uh, it's something it's something bad. It's something serious. So I sit down and he says, uh, "Hall, I got a letter here for you." He says, "I'll just read it to you." And then I thought, "Nah, I know this ain't good." He says, "This is a letter from the parole board." So he starts reading it to me, and he he says, uh, "On this date, you are paroled out." I said, Sarge, can you say that again? He says, on this date, you're going to be paroled out. I said, what date's that? He says, uh, September 11th this year. I said, Sarge, that's next month. On 9-11? He says, yep, 9-11. So I said, okay, Sarge. I still wasn't believing it. Twelve years. Still wasn't believing it. So Sarge says, well, he says, you better start preparing. He says, he says, next month you're going home. I said, okay, Sarge. So I started preparing, you know, deciding what I wanted to keep to, you know, to pack up when I walked out of there. So on the 10th that evening, I called home. Mom picked up the phone. I said, hey, Mom, said, y'all ready to come get me tomorrow? She says, we're not coming getting you tomorrow. I blew a top. 
I was, I was upset. She says, well, calm down, calm down. It's only for one more day. It's just paper issue. I said, okay. I said, I can, I guess I can go one more day. But after 12 years, it's amazing what ha things has changed in 12 years. Right. I think about, um, you know, I think about, uh, some people who go in and spend 20, 30 years and get out. You know what I mean? And I actually, there's some documentaries you can watch them on um, Netflix and stuff like that. Those, some of those people were wrongfully imprisoned and they spent almost 30 years in jail. And 30 years, man, everything changes in 30 years. You know what I mean? Your whole life, everything you knew before you went in is gone. Like, Why, well, uh, you know what Pinochle is? It's card game, you know the canasta. Yeah. I played cards with one guy that did twenty two years, and I play, the other guy that I played with had had did thirty years when they they both got their paroles before I got mine. But it was it was interesting. I mean, to watch them try to reacclimate because they don't know what they're walking into. Man, they have no clue. Right. The world, like you said, the world's different. And even 12 years. I mean, think five years. The world, I mean, as fast yeah. as technology's changing. Right. Even really just a couple of years, if you say, really want to put it that way. I mean. I have a brother who spent five years, and he came out, and he didn't do too good. He's still no, he, not he, doing he, good. He, you know, he's still not doing well, no. because he just, he couldn't. I mean, five years was a big jump for him. You know what I mean? He, he, he missed, missed his, his kids. Yeah, and, I was about to say, he missed his kid you know, growing up. His old and, girl got pregnant by somebody else. <laughs> and I mean, he had a lot changed for him by the time he got out of there. So. But two weeks, two, you know, for the first two weeks I was out, I felt like I was on borrowed time. I can't remember the song, but there's a, a, a part of a line in the song is, is that word statement right there, borrowed time is in that song. But um, I was sitting there with, and my mom went into this place to get some uh, potato salad. <laughs> of and, all things. Well, uh, we were having a family gathering, and, and uh, Van Skyver's there in Walpock. It used to be uh, in Walpock, and they made, uh, I'm talking about a, what I would call a killer potato salad. It was awesome. It was a family recipe that they had. But anyhow, I was said mom went in, and I don't know why she didn't ask me to go in and get it. But anyhow, I was sitting there in the car uh, waiting on her, and I had got this, like, this panic uh, attack on me because... I felt like I was in borrowed time, and it's like, you know what? Uh, I'm going back. Uh, um, but, you know, what I know today is that oh, it was just a, the pressure of the devil trying to make me think that, you know, this— Worried about that or not just make you think, but make you slip up, do something. You know what I'm right. saying? Especially when you're talking about being on parole, the slightest thing, that's it. You know what I mean? That's, you're done. But you know how God is, God's favor is so awesome. Because I had in the in the two years that I was on parole, I had three parole officers, and every one of them was. I mean, you you can even ask her; they were awesome. Um, matter of fact, I I had an apartment for a year almost. Well, actually, it was a year, uh, but I had to keep the apartment until my lease was up. Of course, I didn't live there my last month. Of my lease <laughs> because we got married <laughs> but uh anyhow um but 
you know, what God has done for me, I mean, I look at, I look at the fact is that I go to an awesome church, uh, only believe ministries. Uh, I, I always thought that I was going to be gone away from where I grew up, but yet God's plan for me was that to go back and be better, a better person than I was before I got saved. You know, I find it interesting because I find in a lot of people's situations, whenever God does something, uh, he always puts you right back in front of everybody else and shows you off. I remember when I first got saved, I was working in the same job, and I stayed in that job for about another year, I think, after I got saved. And everybody in that place literally watched the transformation happen and watched me change. And I'm telling you what, man, one of those guys was gay. And I remember someone told me that he got invited to come to the church. And so I asked him one time, I was like, hey, man, I said, you quit coming to the church because you scared God's going to make you straight. And he just kind of, <laughs> he kind of looked at me, he goes, no. And I was like, okay. You know, but that dude to this day would see me somewhere in a store. Oh, yeah, come running. And he'll come running, chasing me down because he watched God change me. You know what I mean? And completely do something different. And I, and I bet that's been leverage for you over the years. Uh, people know you, Hey, I know what happened to him years ago, but then they see you now. And, um, you know, I remember when you first told me the more details about what you're sharing here, uh, you know, I would have never even guessed that never, never once would I even have thought about that. You know what I mean? That never once crossed my mind because it's just not even who you are. You know what I mean? Like it's go ahead, go ahead. Talk up. (laughs) When I met him, God gave me a total peace, even though. He he right out told me he'd been in prison. I I didn't feel questioning it, nothing. I just uh, went with the flow of God and uh, knew that I had peace. Can I just say that your guys' testimony together in a whole is just like mind blowing to me? Because I I mean I also am a victim, unfortunately, of molestation and rape. And for you to just go in there and be like, "Yes, I did it, and I am sorry that I did it," but I want to. You know, I, I want to make it right. It just that literally that gave me some revelation today that I had never had, like that people can change. Just look at I mean, look at Paul. He murdered Christians and God used him to do mighty things. And now he's using you to do mighty things, even though your past has been dark. But I mean, everybody like like I've said before, everybody's got a past. Yeah, everybody has a past. And that, it just it just amazes me to see who you are today because I, I never would have guessed that either. And it's amazing how God can literally take something that was broken and transform it into something that is completely unrecognizable. Well, it's funny that she would even say that because I've made some mention. I was like, because I remember asking her one time shortly after me and you talked, I was like, you ever heard John Hall's testimony? She's like, who's that? And I was like, it's the coffee guy. I was like, like somebody else had ended up telling me, but yeah, I was like, it's the coffee guy. And she goes, okay. I was like, have you ever heard his testimony? She goes, no. I was like, you need to hear it. (laughs) Never told her anything. Now, Mike Blow, Pastor Mike Blow had asked me the same thing. He said, have you ever heard his testimony? She's like, he's like, you need to hear his testimony. I was like, I haven't personally heard it from him, but I've heard it. Yeah, no, I told her, I was like, you got to hear it. But to hear it from you, it was on, that was honestly, like, just now hearing that from you, it just, like, opened up a lot of revelation that I had never really, Well, I I never got more interesting past that is, is Lurie your past? Yeah. And your past. Because typically, 
for people who ain't saved. So this right here just testifies to what Jesus does in people's lives because people who aren't saved never go and involve themselves with somebody who's got a past like that. Right. They will do everything to stay away from it. You know what I mean? But and that's what that. I was that's what I was saying about, you know, how that God told us in his word that even before the foundation of the earth I have set a plan before you. So the thing of it is is when you look at, you know, as she was molested as a child. I was molested as a child. But yet, even, even you know, to say this is that we could do a whole 30-minute podcast on just my 12 years. Right. But, yeah. the thing, but the thing of it is, is that while six years before I even got my parole, I had a dream. And in this dream, God was showing me that I was going to be out in the free world. And that I was remarried in this dream. And we and in this dream I was going to this place and my wife was with me. But in the dream I never seen anything of my wife that even though I was holding her hand in the dream, I, I saw the color of her hair. And in that dream her hair was red. So did you recognize the red hair when you seen her? Well, the thing of it is is that I didn't say nothing to her until actually we started dating actually dating and then i told her about you know the dream i bet you's thinking like oh pump the brakes tiny tim but, <laughs> but here's the thing of it is, is that in the past when she used to be a waitress at the family table family table family table in jackson center at the time she was probably working there i was renting the apartment upstairs with my first oh, wife yeah. really? that's crazy that's crazy so Okay, so Laurie and John, both of you, I'm gonna ask you both, and then you guys, you know, take turns, just spit it back and forth real quick. But oh, yeah, <laughs> just let it go. If, like I said, the dynamics here, wild. Jesus does this. It's beautiful. Like the world doesn't do this. No. You know what I'm saying? Like you'll never find anybody in the world who's been in a situation like you guys have been in, and together, it just, it just doesn't happen. So Jesus has completely set you guys free from that. And because of that, you're able to have the testimony that you have and you have the relationship that you have. And you, my friend, are lucky. <laughs> so with that being said, if somebody, if you were sitting in front of somebody and, and you're sharing some of the story with them and stuff like that, or maybe you only had two seconds with them, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and you could not sit down and conversate like we're talking about it right now to that depth. And if you had to just say something to them, to convince them that Jesus is worth it, what would you tell them? Wow, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, well, what he's seen me through, um, I guess um, one thing I didn't uh, talk too much about is my dad did get saved, and I seen the change in him. And, uh, of course, my mom was one of the most godly women I knew, and when she became born again, it was even more so. And I seen that in her, and uh, so that, that helped me uh, become born again. And, of course, uh, going to only believe, I think, did that too. But uh, it, it's just amazing how God worked. So you would, so really, being, being genuine, you know what I mean? Being a Christian, letting Jesus change you is, is what I'm getting there. 
I, I was about to say the thing that I got out of that was the fact that, you know, just sharing your story alone can help somebody come to Christ and watch them transform. Because I, I think sometimes when they see it happen in front of them, it's a completely different thing as opposed to somebody telling, you know. Like I said, this was, wasn't something I would have even, I never even talked to anyone about it. I finally told my first husband, I uh, think I was about 30 years old. And uh, I hadn't even told him. And um, I thought that, you know, he would understand why I was somewhat the way I was. Right. And, uh, but I don't know, it right. wasn't meant to be. But uh, God seen me through it all. And uh, wow. we got another hour. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we almost ran an hour. I'm quite impressed but, with this. But, you know, I can always I'm about to I say just, some of our viewers are going to be really happy with this one. <laughs> yeah, people like long ones. I don't yeah. know why they like such long episodes. I just don't like editing them. <laughs> That's all. <it> <laughs> but you know, I have to say it like this. You know, I look back when you ask that question. I look back at my day at the county jail, and I wanted to end it all, but yet God had more for me than what I ever could dream of. The fact is that when I prayed and, and I accepted Christ into my heart, it was like a ton of bricks was unloaded off of me. Um, you know, there's, I can't think of the names of songs right now, but, you know, you talked about I am free, I am free. You know, uh, Hell lost another one. I am free to yeah, you know? uh, where the spirit of the Lord I is. I thank God. Yeah, I thank God. I thank God. That's what it is. Yeah. All well, the I mean, thing yeah. that came to my mind was this: where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Amen, so. sister. Amen. It's, uh, you know, and that's the thing. Ed, I'm going to let her tell this part. What's our favorite song? Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Hey, I like that song too. Yeah, that's a good that one. That was my confirmation song in the Lutheran church. <laughs> <laughs> but that that song. It was his favorite it too. It was my favorite song. And I actually, in the prison, and uh, um, a brother was, uh, he plays the guitar and he sings. Matter of fact, he lives in Pennsylvania. He was trying to teach me how, because I wanted to sing that song a solo. To the oh, no. to the guy to the <laughs> he says no. to the guys there, you know, because I uh, and I'll just put this out there too, because my last four years I was the head clerk in the chapel, and 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 I I wanted to because I was I wanted to you know I was in the choir and then finally the choir director said, uh, hey John, I know your heart, but brother. You can't sing a lick. <laughs> That's like he tells me all the time. He's like, he tells me all the time. He's like, you got an amazing voice, but you just don't have no tone. Like, <laughs> but he, he so told me I. Pitched. He told me I was tone deaf, which you know. Yep, that's what he told me. But you know, it's just like, and I and I still wanted to sing that song, you know. He said, "I don't care." He said, "The hey, Bible says just go with it." For noise hey. unto the Lord, yes. Don't sound so like you know, the, the, this brother, you know, uh, he was trying to work with me, and he he just flat out told me too. He <laughs> says, he said, brother John, he says, uh, I love your heart, but can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> God's up there playing auto tune. So. <laughs> if you guys just close your eyes and put your fingers in ears, it'll be great. But you know, in the scripture, it says this in 2 Corinthians 5 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature or a new creation. You know, and, and it goes on to say that, you know, old things, old things are passed away. You know, the, the only thing, the only reason why the old things are to be talked about as we're talking about today and giving our testimony is like I was telling Pastor Jerry and his congregation, I said, we give testimony to give the devil our adversary a black eye yeah. to show, to show him we have victory in Jesus, and you have lost. And it goes back again, as that song says, you know, hell lost another one, I am free. But I look at the cross, of course, the the movie The Passion of the Christ. You know, we, we at the main house, the only believe they had that the uh, stations of the cross. And in one of the stations, they had part of the movie where they were putting Jesus on the cross. And I mean, the first time that I ever watched that movie was with, with Laurie and we both cried. But then, but then when we watched that little segment there uh, on Good Friday, I had tears walled up in my eyes because watching him, you know, and watching Jesus being hung on the cross, you know, just to watch them take them stakes and and to know that, you know, he took 39, 39 stripes for me, for my sickness. That's why my favorite saying is, is that, you know, he took his last breath for me, so I'm going to live every day for him with every breath that I have. So now, as we're concluding... I always challenge people, and this one I didn't tell you. So one of you has got to do an altar call because we always close an episode out. We always close them out with altar calls. She's pointing at us. She's like, I ain't doing it. And then the other one has to pray us out. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> okay. So, John, you can do an altar call um, and do it just like you do it in a church, man. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll do it. You know, Laurie and I are both uh, – the directors over the nursing home ministry at Only Believe. And when I speak to the folks, I tell them like this. It says, you are in your last days, and you have to ask this question to yourself. If you were to die today, do you believe that you go to heaven or, or are you going to end up in hell? And, I, and I, just, I just put it out there to them like that. And the fact is I go on to explain to them that Jesus died on the cross. He loved you so much. He gave up his own life for you. Because, and the Bible says that, you know, choose ye this day, life or death, cursing or blessing. For which do you want? Do you want to go to heaven? Or do you want to go to hell? You know, the Bible says that your tomorrows are not promised to you. Your life is just like a vapor. So what do you want to choose? You know, Hell, hell is is hot. Heaven is joyful. So, you know, Jesus loved us that much. He gave up his life. He even went to the Garden of Gethsemane, 
knowing even though that what his destination was. And this is how I know that God gave us the will to choose. And that's why I asked everybody, do you choose this day to receive Christ? So I asked these people today, the ones that are listening to us, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, today is your day. Do you choose him? Do you want to live with him, be with him in eternity? You know, it's, it's about relationship. We are to have a relationship with the Father and through Jesus Christ. He gave up his life. He shed his blood for us. I mean, he could have turned it down, but he knew because, in, like I said, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, he was, he was speaking to the Father. And he said, Father, take this cup from me. But he knew, he knew, but he knew because his destiny, what needed to be done. And he did it because he loved us. He told the Father, it's not, not my will, but your will be done. So I say to everybody out there, if you do not know Jesus, and if you are desperate for something better, I can guarantee you that Jesus is at something better. So what are you cho choosing today? That life, that life that comes only through Christ to be with the Father for eternity? Or do you want to be in torment and hell for eternity? You're going to live eternity no matter what. So, you know, as I've said to people before that, uh, you know, like this too, you know, you were born to live and you were born to die. So which one do you want to be? You want to live. I want to live. I live with Christ. And so we definitely want to know what you guys choose. Um, please reach out to us and let us know. Reach out to us on the website. There's contact tabs there. Um, any, you know, we, we, and, and, and it's not so we can make people in statistics. We just we want to celebrate because the Bible says that heaven rejoices over one. You know, so, and even if you're just the one that hears this today, uh, we want to know about that. Um, and like I said, it's not to parade you around anybody. It's just so that we know, you know, and we want to celebrate with you. And so with that being said, Miss Lurie put you on the spot again. She's been such a trooper. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. So go ahead and pray us out. Pray okay. a blessing over everybody. Well, uh, Father, we just come before you after our testimonies here, Father, that they have touched people's hearts and that you can work on these hearts to know that they need Jesus as we once needed Jesus and still need him. And, Father, we just come before you um, for a, a blessing of this podcast that it can reach out to millions. And we just praise and thank you for salvations and for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Join in with us next week, and we will have another episode in the Testimony Series. Take care, and God bless you.